0: This is our final message in the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 2. Uh yesterday was a great day uh for our church family. Um you didn't really know about it. I didn't post it on Facebook or anything, so there's no way you would really know about it, but uh few of the elders and I were able to go down to Markle, Indiana. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from here and we sat together and we were uh, learning about leadership, learning about godly leadership and what it means to be elders and it was a really challenging uh, morning for us. And we were encouraged, I think, to focus in on the mission. And the conversation we had revolved around quite a few things, things we could do better, things where we've fallen short, and things that we could certainly communicate better on and ways to kind of clean up some of the messes that we make. But the overall heart of the message that we were encouraged with was, let's make things about the mission. And when we make things about the mission, then everything else kind of rallies together and starts fitting but when we lose track of the mission, we can really lose track of what we're doing and what we're about. For all of the things that we see in a church, and you could can, can go to uh, any number of churches, and they'll tell you what their mission statement is. Uh, we have had probably five or six different ideas as to what the mission is, but really Jesus gives us a pretty clear call as to what our mission, our mission is to be all about. He tells us to go and make disciples tells us to go and make disciples. He tells us to immerse people in Jesus Christ and create new and give them a new life in Christ. It's about making disciples and winning the lost. It's about people who are in desperate need of God and need to know more about him. Need to know that there is Christ who has died for them and redeemed them and reconciled them. You know, we get into the mess of things and we can make church an awful lot about what we want and what we prefer. And really it's all about our hearts starting to beat again for Jesus. It's about our hearts being turned from this hardness of things always having to be our way and what we want and about our hearts being for Jesus and his kingdom. And this morning's message is Paul's closing statements to this congregation that he cares deeply for and he's sending people to encourage them he's sending this message to encourage them and he's saying you guys have had a lot of things happening in in your life that have gotten you off track and what this message has been to them is one don't be adding to the gospel and don't be adding so that you feel like you have to do all of these things to live under the grace of God this grace is a gift to you. And don't you forget that Jesus is Lord and Savior, Redeemer and friend, that he reigns over all of creation. Don't forget this. And he challenges us and, and he challenges the church and he says, live out this gospel in every aspect of your life, in your work, in your in your life with your family and your friends and how you care about your neighbors in every aspect of your life. Live as though Jesus Christ reigns over all of creation. And with all of that, Paul then, he just sort of pushes us towards this last and final step. And he just wants us to simply live a life of prayer. And I've thought about a lot of different ways that you can talk about this, and really it's just about living our lives devotionally. To live your life devotionally. Recently, about a year ago, Wendy and I bought a new vehicle. We bought a Toyota. However you feel about that, I don't really care. It works and it was a good price. We got a Toyota Venza. I had never, literally, we got to the car lot. I knew the car dealer and he was going to cut me a good deal and I was looking at the lot. Uh, And there was a Toyota Venza, and I was like, what's a Venza? I've never even heard of it. It was not a color that we wanted. The kids, we call it hot fudge. Uh, it's better than brown turd because that's what it, what it looks like, but uh, you know what? We don't, we don't care, and they're preacher kids, you know, so we can't talk like that, uh, so we call it the hot fudge, and uh, the other vehicle is silver, so we call it snow cone, and it, it works for us anyways. Uh, we have fun with it. But we got this car. It was a great price, low miles, and everything you hope for. And, uh, well, I had never seen or noticed a Toyota Venza before in my life. And then suddenly, once you buy it, you're aware of it. And it's like, oh, on our way to our elder thing yesterday, we literally had a Venza in front of us the entire time. And you start to notice it. And I don't know what it is, but that phenomenon where you start noticing things once you buy it, it's like, oh, I'm an original, look at what I got. And then you realize there's a million other people exactly like you. What I think Paul is doing for us in this text is helping us to see, and all of the book of Colossians is helping us to see that Jesus is in every aspect of our lives. That once we get Jesus in his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords, then suddenly our hearts are starting to see Christ in a thousand different places. And once we start seeing Christ in a thousand different places, there's a thousand different ways that we can watch him and see him work and respond to him and align our lives with him. We start to notice him in every aspect of our lives. And what I think Paul is trying to encourage us with this morning is to live a life that's devotional. And what I mean by that is seeing Christ in a thousand different places and a thousand different ways in which Christ is at work in your life and in the lives of people around you. And he just wants us he wants us all to wake up a little bit and see that God is at work and we can be a part of it. And friends, I preach a lot of messages, and I know they're all wonderful and amazing. But if we would live this one out, if we would live what Paul is saying in this text, and we would even practice it for one week, you know, not forget it on Monday, but maybe forget it by next Saturday so you're ready for another sermon. Not forget it before lunch, but actually try a week of it. I'm going to set the bar really low you know, shoot for the stars, that's my motto. Shoot for, you know, shoot as low as possible and then, you know, you're bound to succeed. But uh let's try this for a week. And maybe once we try what Paul is asking us to do, maybe we try it all the way up until Easter and we realize how good it is and what God is doing in our life. How God might transform our church to be focused on the mission to win people for Jesus Christ does your heart hurt that there are people dying and going to hell? I don't say that often because it feels like a guilt trip, and I don't mean it that way. But we spent time with a man yesterday who reminded us how urgent our message is. Is the world a better place than it was two weeks ago? I mean, is there enough fear in our world? Is there enough hurt? Is there enough reasons why people are just hurting and wandering away from God and wondering about darkness and evil and all of the things that are going on. I found out this week, apparently the stock market crashed. I didn't know that. A little bit. It went down a little bit. But guess what? The kingdom of God is still standing just fine. We found out that there are people where you're liable to get sick and you could die. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but a world they in mass hysteria I'm sorry if my message got exciting back there I didn't mean to do that. You' got know, to think about those things, Jordan, you're an idiot. Uh, we're going to be all right. But in a world of mass hysteria, where there's one problem after the next. The world needs to know that Jesus is our hope and our Savior and Redeemer and that he's greater than any darkness in this world. That the darkness doesn't overcome the light, that the light has overcome. And where are we going to put our faith and where are we going to put our hope? Where are we we going to stand? Will we get on this mission to help people know that Jesus Christ loves them? And Paul's telling us this is what it's all about. About seeing Christ in a thousand different places seeing Christ at work in you, seeing Christ in your neighbor and whatever they're going through, seeing Christ in your workplace, seeing Christ in the sunrise and in the sunset. Let's read the scriptures. Chapter 4, verse 2 of Colossians. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful. Time out. How I deal with awkward situations is usually making uh, a joke or something stupid, because that's how I deal with awkwardness. And so I had to rifle through all of my statements in my head, so I'm sorry for my awkward silence. It's okay, Julie. Thank you, Tammy. No, we're good, Dick. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm glad that someone broke it with humor. I'm glad it wasn't meh. forgive me if this is wrong, but um, that's how people feel in the world. And the innocence of her heart and the brokenness that she feels. And I don't mean to make light of that or just cheaply. But people feel that way and they might not show us that there is a lost and hurting world that doesn't know about Jesus Christ. And all Paul is trying to say to us is would we pray about opportunities to share this gospel with people? Would we take the moment and just tell them that there is hope and there is salvation? Does our heart beat for him and are we watchful and are we thankful? watchful and thankful for what Jesus is doing in everybody's life he's playing in 10,000 places in every aspect of your life in every step Paul says devote yourself to prayer and this isn't something to make us feel guilty like we don't pray enough or you're not saying the right things Paul just says, would you just open yourself up to praying to God all the time, every moment, and just let your heart be open to Him? Sometimes I talk too much in prayer, and I don't take enough time to listen. He says, devote yourselves to prayer and being watchful and thankful. When you live your life devotionally, you're paying attention. You're paying attention to the people in your life. You're paying attention to those who are hurting. You're paying attention to your family, your spouse, your kids. You're paying attention to God doing these great, wonderful things. You're paying attention to God just blessing you in ways that you didn't really expect. I didn't have the whole text memorized, sorry. Let's continue in the text and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is simply asking that he would have the opportunity to share the gospel with people. He says, first of all, pray for us too that God may open the door for our message. And so, while I'm trying to salvage all this in the point this morning, it's really simply this that we would pray widely for opportunities for the gospel to spread, that we would proclaim it clearly when we have those opportunities presented us, and that we would make it a constant sort of challenge in our hearts and in our minds to live a devotional life where we are praying for God to say, would you open the doors for the message of the gospel? Would you you open doors at Triton? high school? Would you pr- open doors in my workplace? Would you open doors in my home? Would you open doors in my family? Would you open doors in strangers? And wherever I might be, God, that I may, might proclaim the message. And when I do get the opportunity to proclaim the message, that I might do it clearly and succinctly, that I might, might proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and King. So the real simple challenge is, one, would we pray widely for opportunities? And will we also be praying that the message might be clear about who Christ is? And I love Paul. Paul wrote this letter from prison. And Paul does not ask for anything for himself in the sense of, would you change these circumstances for me? Paul's not asking them, hey, I'm locked up, this really stinks. He's not praying for his circumstances to change. He's praying that his circumstances would allow him to change the life of someone who would hear the gospel. And I think that this is so contradictory to how I normally pray. I want God to change all of my circumstances and for him to be completely easy and awesome. Who prays for circumstances to be easy and awesome? Paul says from prison pray that these circumstances I'm in, somebody might know who Jesus is. And friends, that's spiritual maturity. That's Christianity at its core. It's not about getting us out of suffering. It's will this suffering lead to someone knowing that Jesus is greater than the suffering in this world. And I know a million people that need to know that. Terry, sorry, you're sticking your foot up, so I think you want to share... You hear that laugh and joy from a woman who has gone through quite a bit in the last uh, couple of weeks. And we can joke about sending her down the ramp, Down down the highway even. And her heart in this circumstance, I don't know who she's going to bless and encourage and tell about Jesus Christ, but I know that she'll take that from the joy in her heart and her love for Christ. She's not praying that the circumstances would change I'm sure every once in a while she's a little frustrated. But all of us face those hardships. All of us face those moments. And it's a question. Are we praying that our day will be awesome and easy? Or are we praying that God will use us for his glory and to share this message? And to me, there's a very big difference. Will we grow in Christ to the point where when we pray, we would lift up Christ Glorify Him and look at our situation and say, Don't take me out of this, God, but use this moment that I might proclaim you clearly. Paul then says that we are to live devotionally, but we are also to live wisely. That we would be wise in the way we act towards, uh, towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. I think that Paul praises prayer because he's messed it up too. I think he's asking him to pray that when we are reaching out to people that we would actually act wisely and not foolishly. I'm going to ask a hard question and I don't mean it at any, any particular person. I mean it at all of us. Do people know your position on who Jesus Christ is or do they know your political position better? Do they know that your heart beats for Jesus or the Republican or Democratic Party? There are things that can capture us and the things that we want to talk about and the things that hold us hold us captive, and we need to shed that and say, we need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. We need to be wise and then we make the most of opportunities. And the most of opportunities is not talking about weather, it's talking about the lordship of Christ. I am not good at small talk. If you make small talk with me and I've been rude. It's because I really don't like small talk. I want to talk about you, and I want to know what's going on in your life. And if you thought, man, Jordan didn't really want to talk to about the weather, and he kind of blew me off. Yeah. I want to talk about your kids and your grandkids. I want to know what's going on in your heart and your life. And I don't mean that as something, like, I think there's something wrong with me. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this is good. I wish I could connect on those levels, But I think making the most of opportunities is learning to take it, how to connect on those levels and saying, where are you at and what's going on in your life? Let's talk about real things and make the most of opportunities and opportunities to give someone living bread and living water and the true light of the world, Jesus Christ. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's pray to God that we do. And that we are wise in the way that we act towards outsiders. And speak gracefully. Let your conversation be full of grace. And seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And if you took an examination of the words that are coming out of your mouth, what is it reflecting of your heart? Is there joy? Is there love? Is there kindness? The way we have grace, fully uh, conversations full of grace and our conversations seasoned with salt is to have the Spirit of Christ in us and working on our hearts. Paul wraps up his letter with a final greeting. And I'm going to read that to you. It's got some names in there that sometimes we gloss over. But think about this, they are real people in service to the kingdom of God. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epiphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains, and grace be with you. There are some who get it, and they are faithful, and they they keep going, they keep encouraging, they keep doing their work. There are those who, are, who finish well. There's one who doesn't. If you look there, there's a guy named in verse 14. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas, or Demas, send greetings. Then there's Demas, he's a part of the crowd, and he's giving the encouragement. Well, Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10 says, for, because, uh, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and he's gone to Thessalonica. We really have two options. I don't know what this sermon ended up being. I really just want you to love Jesus and pray. Pray for opportunities. Pray that there are things that you can say to encourage people in your life that they would know that Jesus is Lord and King. And Paul just simply gives us this challenge. Would you pray widely and would you live devotionally? Would you be watchful and thankful and open to God and what he's doing? And there's a long list of people that are readily active in this letter that Paul is saying, these guys are coming to you and they're coming to cheer you on and they're, and they're living a faithful life in Christ. And then there's this Demas guy. And you wonder, what happened? He, got, he gets off track and he doesn't finish well. It says that he loved the world and he deserted Paul. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, but this is a real great opportunity to say, does Jesus Christ matter to me? And do I want to walk with him? Will I seek him with my whole heart, my whole life? I'm going to close with prayer and make one last point after my prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open doors of opportunities to share the gospel with someone who needs it. And We pray for the opportunities. We pray, God, that we would proclaim the mystery of Christ clearly, as we should. And God, that we could have our conversations when we do speak with people that they would be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that when we answer folks they would know that Jesus is the Lord of our life. And God we pray for opportunities. We don't pray for our circumstances to change. We pray that our circumstances would change the life of someone for your glory and for your honor. And God for the million different ways we make our life about ourselves. We want to make it about you and seeing you and walking with you. And so God, help us to know that you are Lord over all of creation and we want to see you in 10,000 different places this week. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to you that the doors may be opened and we would walk through and we would proclaim you clearly that this week we'd live out our mission that we would join with your mission to seek and save the lost and help people know that Jesus is Lord and King. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last section of Paul's letter is about sending greetings, sending encouragement. And we are told of people who finish well at one who didn't finish well. We see Paul encourage someone like Archippus who's trying to finish well. He says to him, See to it that you complete the work that you've received in the Lord. Just like Mike prayed, you know, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Know that there is a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on and fixing our eyes on Christ and not giving up. Paul says to Archippus, man, make sure that you complete the work that you've received in the Lord. Don't give up on it. We see one who doesn't, we see one who is trying, and this week we laid to rest a dearly beloved saint who finished well. Charlotte Slaybaugh's story will live on And her character and her dignity, her integrity, her kindness, her love, her passion for people. Her devotion to Jesus Christ is an example we can follow. I was given a letter from the boys. I think Seth gave it to me. There was a little note. and was written to Virginia. So it was after the funeral and I was home and I was out of my suit and I was in my comfy pants. They gave me a letter That was for Virginia. And it was a note from Charlotte to Virginia. Virginia's birthday is December 15th. Is that right? Yes, maybe. Yeah, good, okay. I know my stuff. And maybe a couple of days before, right at that same time, Charlotte ended up going to the hospital. But Charlotte wrote a note, and it was happy birthday wishes to her close friend. I don't know how well Charlotte was at that moment, but it was kind of rough leading up to the hospital. I don't know when she wrote it. Maybe it was the day before, maybe it was the day of. But she she finished the work that the Lord set her out to do. And friends, that's all Paul wants for all of us. That you would see to it that you finished the work that the Lord has given you. and You might not know what that is or you might have a very clear picture of what it is. But the question is, is, will you? There's some who finish well and there's some who don't. And we're being cheered on from a great cloud of witnesses that says, Throw off all of these things and fix your eyes on Christ. And so fix your eyes on heaven. Set your mind on things above. So that when you live with Christ, who is above all things, you can navigate all things in your life and see Christ in 10,000 different ways, living a life devotionally, wisely, proclaiming Christ as Lord and King. My encouragement to you this morning in all of that mess is to simply say to you, finish well, fixing your eyes on Christ. Let's stand and sing. Christ is my reward all of my devotion.